This is Nate Laux, and you're listening to the Summer Friends Podcast. Before we get to today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about something important coming up at the end of November. The last Tuesday of November is Giving Tuesday. It's a day after Black Friday and Cyber Monday when America stops to give back. Giving Tuesday is an important day for the PAC Center as it's really our one primary fundraiser for the year. It helps us cover our costs for the upcoming year, but also gives us funds to do great projects like the Jackson Street Community Garden, our Kids Summer Garden Club, and the Brighton Street Green Space. So if you can, and if you will, please consider partnering with the PAC Center on Giving Tuesday. And you can give online at thepaccenter.com or stop by the PAC Center and we'll have people there that'll collect your donations. Help us make that day the single greatest day of giving the PAC Center has ever had and help us make a tangible impact to help those who are hungry and lonely in LaPorte County. Okay, on to today's episode. I'm excited about today's guest. He's not only my friend, but he also has the unique and special role of being the person I trust most to cut my hair. And here's the thing, if you know me, you know that there's no more intimate person in my life than the one I trust to cut my hair. I don't mess around with bad haircuts. I'm always interested in the stories of people who moved to Indiana from the east or west coast. And oddly, I have a few friends that have moved to Indiana, then started businesses, and have found tremendous success. So today, I'm going to introduce you to one of these friends, my barber, my friend, the owner of one of the five greatest beards this side of the Tippecanoe River, Adam Wilson. We're going to talk a little bit about your story. You're not from Laporte. You own a business in Laporte. As some would argue that you own the market on barbershops in Laporte. <laughs> and, um, and so we're going to talk about your uh, meteoric rise to the top of the barbershop industry in Laporte. But also, I'm interested in a couple of things. We have some friends in Laporte that have started businesses like you. And I've noticed that there's a trend with people not from Laporte starting businesses in Laporte and doing pretty well. So I want to talk about that. I also want to talk a, a little bit about what got you here and what you see as a small business owner in Laporte. Is it a positive forecast? Is it a negative forecast? Uh, one of the things that you bring to the table, you don't have the baggage of being from Laporte and saying, well, these things are what has always happened. You get to kind of be entrepreneurial and try different things. So let's talk a little bit about where you're from. Where are you from, Adam Wilson? I am from the central coast of California. So I grew up there until I was about after high school, really, and then moved to Orange County. I lived in Orange County for 10 years and then uh, moved to LaPorte, Indiana in 2006. So I've been here for been here for a little bit of time. Is your whole family from California, like, or your aunts and uncles and all that? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. My dad was actually born here in southern Indiana. And lived here for a little while, but then moved out west. What moved him out west? My grandmother just wanted to head that way, I guess. Relationships like had ended. the gold rush? Relationships <laughs> had ended. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> the gold rush. The California gold rush. You grew up in California. Pretty middle class, upper class? Middle, yeah. And that's definitely, I mean, California was definitely all I really knew. I didn't spend a lot of time traveling. I, I had never been this far east until I moved here, really. So that was interesting. But what brought us here really was just family. My family had moved here. My brother moved here, then my parents moved here, and then my wife and I moved here. But we were here for, I want to say, four years before I opened the shop. So we kind of knew knew the area enough. You know, I don't know that I would have been brave enough to just leap and start a business the first year that I was here, because I do see you know, there's challenges to a small town, but when you're in California, you went to, did you go public school, private school, private school. Uh, and then I went to actually a private college as well. And then after college, wait, wait, I want to interrupt you really quick. Cause people yes. don't know this about you, even though you look really burly. Some might even say like super duper scary. I, though, I think there's a teddy bear behind that beard. I also know how to read, but yeah, no, here's the thing. <laughs> you're also an athlete. Yeah, you yeah. played uh, college basketball, right? I did. I did. For a while. Some say that you could have been Kobe if you really would have put your head into it. Is this true? <laughs> this is not true. This is sure, for sure not true. Other than basketball, did you play other sports? I played no? volleyball as well. But then after that, then I just basically started doing the fun sports. I started surfing and riding my mountain bike and doing the things that... So do you have like the... Because are you, are you 40 yet or no? I'm 42. 42. Well, I don't want to jump the gun. 
In like two weeks, I'll be 42. Okay, you'll be 42. By the time this uh, this episode airs. Yeah. When is your birthday? <laughs> November 8th. Do you have like the typical upper 30, younger 40, knees are shot from high school sports yet? A little bit, but I try and I try and curb that. I know I know the things that I can and can't do. I'm not really trying to run, <laughs> at least at this point, unless I have to. I feel like running is really overrated. It is. It's for those of you who run, that's amazing. But good for you. I'm really. Knee, yeah, where's my knees out? And <laughs> <laughs> also, just kind of wears me out as well. Running, yeah. And so. Well, riding the bicycle will wear you out, but it doesn't have that same impact. So. So, and you're, you're pretty big into biking. You love, not like road biking though, right? Mountain bike. Yeah. And when did you get into mountain biking? 2000, somewhere around there. So you're still in California. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's the difference between mountain biking in California and Indiana? Indiana, it's very compact. So like we have our seven and a half miles of trail in LaPorte and it's in one little spot. So it's just winding, crazy trail system. And it's great. And I use it a lot. But in California, you can go ride for, you know, six hours and not hit the same place twice. So it's a little different that way. And we'll, we'll get back into your backstory. But let's use this time to amplify something that I know you're really passionate about. Um, because we do have some trails in here in the port for uh, mountain biking. And you you put in actually a lot of volunteer time making sure those are good. Where are those? They're Soldiers Memorial, so uh, kind of by the the next parking lot after the boat launch on Stone Lake, just like headed towards Small Road. There's yeah. like a, a a park over there, right? Yeah. Um, there's a mat. There's you have like a little parking lot area and some grass and a pavilion where you could grill some food or whatever. But there's a map of the trails right there, and it's on both sides of the road there. And there's several of us that are out there quite a bit. Um, guys that put in tons of time out there far more time than I do. It's nice and getting nicer. And it's one of the things that we have that a lot of people don't realize that we have. It's a nice little system there. It is good. It's good because a lot of communities don't have something where they can just go five minutes from downtown and, and do that. You know, they'll have to travel half an hour to go do it. So that's kind of a gem. The more we can magnify the gems, the better. So we're we're trying to like get the word out. And if somebody's listening and they do want, like, if they're passionate about mountain biking and stuff, can they just stop in the shop and talk to you, or like, sure. what do you want them to do? Yeah, stop okay. in the shop. Um, I'm there, I'll tell you. If the other guys are there, they'll look at you funny <laughs> and just, not know what you're talking about. It's been my experience that I just look at them even funnier. <laughs> yeah. It's like a stare no, down. They, they all know. They've heard me talk about it enough. They all know where it's at at least. So if you go in there, just ask for Adam, though, right? Yeah. Um, the old, don't, don't the old guy Joe. is I'm the old guy and it's obvious there everyone's younger than me that works there so what did you go to college for? psychology knowing uh, the last half of school knowing that I probably wasn't going to use that degree <laughs> in the traditional sense which so, I think is the story for most people in college. <laughs> well, I, I always think it's kind of hard and I, I feel the, so I'm a little different. I decided to go into college to become a pastor and everything. And I've, I've done it. Like I, I yeah. everything that I was going to do that I decided to do at 17, I'm doing. Yeah. Very rare though. 99% of the people I know, and I think statistics bear it out that they're not doing that. But I think it's an intense amount of pressure for an 18 year old to pick the rest of their life yeah, and what they're going to do. For sure. Man, it's hard to know how I feel about education more so now than I did when I was 18. I think when I was 18, it's like, well, that's what you do. You have to get knowledge, you know, and knowledge is great. But when it costs $150,000 and you're not sure if you're going to use it, that's a little rough where it wasn't that much when I went to college, you know, it was still expensive, but you could do it, you know, where now, man, that is a lot of pressure because it's not just a pressure of what you're going to do. It's a pressure of is what you're going to do be enough to pay off what you owe from the education that you got. There's so many people I know that want to do really great community stuff, maybe even become a teacher or like a social worker. But the reality is, is the school loans that they're going to have to accrue is so hard to repay that I think sometimes we limit some of these other jobs that aren't paid decently in our society. For sure. But they're really important to have educated people. For in. sure. And and there's some jobs like like what you're talking about, like social work. It's not like what I do where you get as much as you give. You know, I, I feel like small business or being entrepreneurial or do, you know, hey, you're going to be a air conditioning guy or a barber or whatever. If you're really good at that and you work really hard, you 
you might make more money and you, you could afford to pay back loans, even though there probably isn't any very many loans on those trade type jobs. But with social work, you could be the best in the world and still make $33,000 and not be able to pay your loans back. So it's in, in work in work 60 or 70 hours. Yeah, you could be amazing at it. I mean, that's the kind of the thing you're not you're not rewarded the same way as if you're a really good home builder. If you're that guy, then you build a lot of homes. <laughs> we need great home builders. We need great barbers. But we also need great social workers. And, you know, especially yeah, so in communities like ours. Yeah, that answer is like education's tough because it's a good thing. But it's become so much the norm and a big business that it's difficult to encourage your kid to go do something that you know is going to have struggles financially. But Yeah, I've just decided I'm going to encourage my kid to, like, you know what, go figure out what Bill Gates did and go do that. It's a good call. I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. And yeah. uh, I don't know what my retirement's going to be like. Yeah, but so I them, really need you to take care of me in retirement. Yeah. If you could get billions in the number of dollars that they make, that's and I don't, easier. I don't really want to be greedy. So if you want to like do maybe just like slightly lower than Bill Gates, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like there's Elon Musk levels of wealth, and I, I'll accept that it's as fine. a dad. Yeah, that would totally. Um, that would totally. Be but don't do like hundreds of millions. Try harder. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. Um, in California, in high school, met a girl. A girl? Yes, yes. junior high school. Junior high school? Yeah. Uh, her name is Stancy. And you guys have been together for how long? 60, 70 years? 28-ish. 28 years. That is nuts. Is that right? Yeah, 28. Actually, almost. Yeah. And what I love about your guys' relationship is you guys still like each other. I mean, you love each other, but we you do. really like each other still. We do. What's yeah. the secret? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just gonna say we don't have kids. Well, I'm whoa, not saying whoa, whoa, that's whoa, the secret. I'm not saying that's the secret. You do have dogs. Though. I'm just putting. I'm just putting the statement out there. Yeah, we have dogs. We got a cat. I mean that that could be marital problems too. But yeah. you you navigate those. Yes. So what was out. what was Stancy's opinion when you come to her and say, "Hey, California's nice. It's got sun. It's got beach. It's got all these great things." But I really think real life is happening in Laporte, Indiana. We'll say that that's how the conversation went. That's not. <laughs> So maybe exactly. We really felt like we needed to come this way. My parents had moved here. My brother has a nephew that we love. I don't, I don't want to sound like I don't like kids. I love kids, but he lives here. And so my parents moved here because that's where their grandson is, which makes total sense. And then just some things that go on in life. It, it made it so that we kind of felt like this was the direction to head. Not knowing at all how long we'd be here. You know, we didn't know if it was going to be a year or did you expect it to be like full time? Like, hey, we're going to settle the rest of our lives no, in this small town so. in Indiana? Or just, I don't think we so. want to spend a season with our family in there in LaPorte, Indiana? Yes. I think that's what we thought. It was very open ended. But then after being here for a few years, we kind of started to realize that like, we'll be here for a while. That's when we decided to start the barbershop instead of I was working a retail job when we first moved here. And that was giving me no joy. You moved to LaPorte. What is your first impression? Um, at that time, I think in 2006, I would not be off to say it was, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, you look downtown, you go, okay, the cool courthouse buildings are cool. There's, there's a ton that could happen here, but there was a lot of empty storefronts. I mean, I, I think at the time there wasn't much going on downtown. The LaPorte Sporting Goods was there and a couple things were there. It definitely needed revival. And coming from California, it's like you see good architecture and you see a courthouse and you just assume like, man, cool stuff should be right here. But for some reason, there wasn't. Did you then think immediately, this community is ready for entrepreneurs? You know, at the time, I really had no idea because I was working in California. I was working for a big outdoor retailer um, that does amazing things. And they're is it great. Like a national one, or? yeah. And they're great to work for. And, is it and REI, yes. So I worked for REI in Manhattan Beach, and that's right by LAX, and tons of traffic. And I'm hoping REI sends us money for this podcast now. Yeah, we get free tents. <laughs> and I worked for that company for a while, and worked my way up with that company, and learned a ton. And when we moved here, I don't know. I thought, well, let's find something that you know, because my work experience was such that I could get retail job management pretty easily. There wasn't really a good match, I guess, for me in retail. So I managed a store in Mishawaka and just a little shoe store in Mishawaka for a few years and and all that because I wasn't sure. I mean I, I didn't 
know if Laporte could support something. You know, it's hard to know until you really feel the town out. Once we decided maybe that we were going to do something, and I say we because my wife has a large amount to do with the success and failure of, of things. I mean, I would not attempt to say that my online presence or anything would be close to what it is without her handling that. So if you see that stuff and you want to be impressed yeah. by me, that's fine. But it wasn't me that did that. But where was I? Yeah. So once we decided that we wanted to do something, then we started doing demographic studies and traffic flow studies and knowing like, okay, where do people move around in this town? City governments have access to that. How, how do you do that as like an individual? Because if maybe somebody's listening that wants to get into entrepreneurship, that's like essential types of background yeah. study. How did you do that? So like, I mean, you can really get a lot from just census and that mm -hmm. kind of information. I mean, how many guys are there? How many women are there? What, what ages are they? What's the average age? You know, all those things matter when you're choosing your business. Those numbers aren't going to be, you know, just because it's good for one business doesn't mean it's good for another because obviously some businesses are pointed at different age groups or different things. And then traffic. I mean, it's, it's obvious where I ended up with the shop where we ended up being, which was fantastic that we found a building when we did. Uh, is right between a couple different highways and there's three big traffic flows really right there downtown and so we were able to be in the heart which one of the rules at least in my brain and and what i've been taught in retail or in small businesses you you want to be close to the center because you, the business is going to move out from there you know i i was looking at a couple other spots and when you're looking at a town like laporte and you go okay well, it's cheaper over here. State Street is cheaper. Jefferson's cheaper, but you don't have the traffic. So like the business has to grow out and hopefully in the next 10 years, it will grow out, you know, and that there'll be more and more businesses and eventually it'll push back to those streets. But when we were looking at it, we kind of knew there's a couple block area where you got to be if you want to be seen, which I needed to be seen. We didn't really know very many people at the time. I met you for the first time right before you opened, actually. Because I think, when did you open the... May of, of 11. Okay, yeah. So it wasn't long after we opened here. Frank at Muchamas, I think. We kind of all opened roughly in the same season. Yeah. Uh, and I remember meeting you, I think, right before you'd opened. You were cutting some hair, and your brother, who I know, had told me to go in there. It was just you at the time. And mm -hmm. you didn't have... I mean, it was... It was just kind of hard work. You were you and Stancy and whoever probably could help you, friends or whatever, were remodeling your space. And you had a couple chairs in there that I think you'd bought secondhand. And you kind of just threw caution to the wind and, and did it. Right? Yeah, I think that's what's great. The opportunity that we have here and that we and that a lot of people have, you know, Midwestern small towns where there is affordable real estate. You can do things like what I did on a budget that, you know, isn't going to sink you. You know, when you talk about education costs, well, it's the same thing starting a business. You know, if you start a business in, in Orange County where we used to live, the debt that is, comes from starting that business is going to follow you much longer into that business. You know, you'll be 10, 15 years into that business before that debt's gone. Where like here, you know, you can do it. You can have friends help and you can get something going without a huge debt load, which is amazing. And and that's what I hope for the next 10 years in Laporte that that a lot more of that happens, that people realize that. Because I think you do see like, oh, that's insurmountable. Right? You walk into a business that's done and polished and you go, man, I don't know, that's a lot of work, which it is a lot of work. But here it's very doable work. I mean, we're not in Manhattan. It's not impossible. You know, if I was to try and do this in Orange County, it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And every month you'd be paying $10,000 in rent and all those things that are just, that's crazy. But here, everything that opens is really, not, I don't know everything, but a lot of things that have opened. And there are a few more coming along that are getting some success. You know, those are all very doable goals. It's not like you have to do a whole new crazy construction and pay a bunch of stuff. Because we get this a lot, right? We, we specifically wanted to be in town as a church. Mm -hmm. The statistics are 
most churches are moving out to suburbs where there's land, where the potential for expanding is there. We didn't do that. We actually did the opposite of what most trends are because we wanted to be downtown, A, to help, but also because we, we believe that there's life in a downtown. There's a vibrancy downtown that you just don't find in other places. And so we took over this building. We remodeled and everything. Or a lot of people would say the same thing about your business as I did about the church here, you don't have parking. You don't have all these other things that they would say you need to have in order for a vibrant business to do. You have to parallel park unless you do what I do and park a block away. Yeah. Why did you do that and not, let's say, go to one of the strip malls? You know, when we were looking at buildings, it was more like we looked at one little tiny place that was in a strip mall just because it was cheap, (laughs) you know, and thinking like, do we want to go the cheap way or do we want, you know, roll the dice or whatever? Because at the time we still weren't, I mean, you're confident, but you're not sure, but we wanted to be downtown. Interestingly enough, a lot of the negativity that came to us was people who had businesses, which I thought was interesting, you know, like people who had businesses in the same general vicinity were like, oh, everyone thinks it's easy or everyone thinks it's hard or everyone thinks it's this or I don't And I'm like, man, you guys all, like, there's not just a, hey, like, how are we going to make this happen? And then go from there. My attitude has has been that I think I can make this happen. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. Not like, let's stare at all the roadblocks. It's a pet peeve of mine when in meetings you bring up an idea and the first thing that people want to talk about is why it won't work instead of saying, okay, Let's figure out how it can work. And if we come to an insurmountable hurdle, then we'll deal with that. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about all the things that we can do to make it work. Like when I'm riding my mountain bike, they say like, okay, if you're coming, don't like focus on the thing you don't want to hit, right? Like, or if you're on a motorcycle, don't look at the road, don't look at the tree on the side of the road, look at where you want to go and go there, you know? And I think so many people are like, oh, well, parking. Well, yeah, but. Everywhere that people want to go shop, if you think about like those places, Michigan Avenue in Chicago or, you know, these places where people go to shop and that are awesome. I was just up in Milwaukee. It's cool. There's so much to see. There's so many restaurants. We ate at good places and you can walk through cool stores. It takes 30 minutes to park and people do it. Thousands and thousands of people do it. So it's because... You know, when you look at it and you want to go like, oh, well, there's only two parking spots in front of my business. Well, yeah, but if you're the type of business that's only for convenience, which is a thing, I mean, you know, a, a gas station, you want to put that in a place where it's easy to get in and out of and people can just walk in and pay for gas and leave. And for us, I mean, I really feel like you need to try and offer something that's good enough that people are willing to walk a block. And, you know, we can you know, use a walk. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I try and walk like as much as I can. I, I, I didn't want to say it, but since it's just you and you and me, <laughs> nobody's listening. Uh, obviously, this is the crazy thing to me. Is we, uh, we get people that complain about our parking. And it's never a handicapped person, which I would feel like have legitimate, like, you know, yes. it, park, if you're handicapped um, and you need accessible parking, there are legitimate complaints. And, you know, municipalities do need to make sure we do everything that we can to, to, to accommodate that. But most of the people I know complaining aren't, aren't handicapped. No, we just need to walk and we don't well, like, yeah. To walk. I mean, and that's kind of the thing. I mean, we, it's all drive throughs and convenience, right? And it's all, it's easy to complain. I do like to be positive and say that a good percentage of the people complaining aren't really complaining. They're just looking for something to talk about. Now there are the people who always just want to focus on the negative and I, and I try and stay away from that, you know, in conversation, try and go other directions. But a lot of people are just like, Oh, the parking, but they don't really mean it. It's better than saying, no, so it's, you know, 63 degrees outside today. It's like some complaining is good complaining just because it's fine. They don't mean anything by it. They're just looking for something to say. opened up Wilson's was there ever a moment or a season where you thought this isn't going to happen I would say that I wouldn't have forecasted it to be as big as it it has gotten it to go as well as it has I felt pretty confident that it would be fine and that's all I was really at the time I I was looking for a place where I could go to work enjoy my day stress levels would be not super high and I could meet new people and 
be a part of the community. I mean, that was really the goal because my business is not that, you know, I, I don't do food. You know, I think restaurant people are, are heroes that can pull that off because they have so much stuff to throw away and so much that, I mean, if that doesn't work really well pretty quickly. Um, so for me, it, with what I do, I felt good about it. And I think because I was here for, I was here in Laporte for several years and I felt like, you know, there's enough people. It's going to be fine. I didn't, couldn't have said how busy it would be. It does make sense to me that businesses are busy, you know, because there's plenty of people. There's plenty of cars. There's plenty of traffic. Word gets around. I think Laporte's very supportive of new businesses. You know, a restaurant opens and everybody goes once at least. That's phenomenal. I mean, and I think that as a owner, as a business owner, that's all you can really ask of the community that like, hey, come give us a shot. And then it's on you to produce. You know, you have to give a good experience and what you say you do, you do. And, you know, all those things are, are important after the fact. But like our community is very supportive of new things. That being said, if you bring something great to the table, you're, you're probably going to do all right. Locations important and all those things are important but like we'll come find places and go there i mean as and i know you and stancy oftentimes on sundays you guys <laughs> are willing to go 60 miles to find something to, yeah. to enjoy even just yeah. a good restaurant right yeah, you know sure. um and sure. i think there I, I don't think you're alone right i i don't think three oaks right now is thriving based on the people that live in three oaks no yeah i know and so i think i think you specifically your business is a destination business. You have a sitting there. I've met people from Chicago. I've met people from South Bend that come all the way to LaPorte, Indiana to get their haircut, which I think is amazing. I'm lucky enough that in the business that we do, I mean, that's a pretty intimate thing. Like you're cutting someone's hair. Very few businesses, that's what's going on. You know, you give somebody food and that's cool, but this is like a 20 minute conversation. It's all those things. So we've gotten traffic from other communities and that's great. And I think, I don't know, people like, people like to go somewhere that's not right next door too. And so the more businesses we have like that and report, the better. I'd love to see six or seven new businesses in the next few years downtown that bring traffic. Yeah, it's exciting to see, and I know it, they always look rough, you know, in the process, but to see some of the development in the buildings, now that doesn't mean they're attached to businesses yet, but obviously developing the building yes. is the most crucial part of, because sure. it can be such a an expensive uh, part of opening a business is trying to fix a le leaky roof or, you know, these kind of things. Yeah, it's the things that don't, it's the things that don't show that are expensive you know, and when that's expensive, it's kind of hard as a business owner to be like, oh, okay, like, so the air conditioner broke or so the, whatever. And it's never you know. like, call the, call the guy and it'll be a hundred bucks, right? Right. No, like, you know, you do a new furnace and AC and all that. I did that last year or something, but no one's going to walk in your business and be like, oh, I feel like this is new air conditioning. <laughs> like, they don't care. You know, it was, it was cool yesterday and it's cool today and, you know, things cost money. Um, and building a building out. I mean, especially some of the stuff we have downtown. And there's beautiful bones with great ceilings and walls and all that stuff. But but you got to modernize it, and you have to do all the things that it takes. And, and, it's and expensive. Laporte downtown is a little behind on modernizing yes. some of our buildings. And so there's tons of opportunity. There's grants available. There's things like that gets lost also in the conversation of how hard it is. At least I feel like there's people that are willing to help you make that happen. I don't know that that was available as who are those people, by the way, that are really like who who has helped you make some of those things happen? Well, I think I mean Bert Cook is a great guy to be able to talk to. Um, Beth Schrader, um, and and those things weren't at least super readily available or easy to find maybe ten years ago. But now, I mean, there's obvious effort being made to make those things happen. When as two people committed to the downtown area as you are and I am, you know, trying to revitalize and make this a better place to live and to work, mm -hmm. obviously we will help whoever needs yeah. help yep. because the better the businesses are, the more businesses we have, especially good businesses, right. the better it is for us. Yeah, it's so. good. And, and the better it is for our experience outside of work. I mean, really, like, I would love to see this town be something like it was a hundred years ago. I mean, I hear that all the time. I mean, I wasn't here when it was thriving before. As I will drive 80 miles to go get breakfast, I also would love to be able to just go around the corner, you know? Uh, I go to Indiana Deli a lot. I like that place. It's great. If there was Holla six... at our friends at yeah, Indiana Deli. If there was 
six more things like that, you know, mucho mas is great. Enzo is great. There's, there's definitely some things happening, but we want to draw from other communities too. I want people 60 miles from here to come here for breakfast. Like I go somewhere else, right? Like, and don't get me wrong. We try and stay in town as much as we can. You know, it's nice to get out sometimes. And the, and the nice thing is someone that's not from Laporte, you can attest that, like you said, as a city, the bones are good. I, th- I think people are starting to realize it a little bit, but it's like crazy how good they are. I mean, we have things that people don't care about that are amazing. I mean, we have four or five lakes and several of them are great and no one even knows where they're at. Towns would pay incredible amounts of money to have our fourth best lake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, like, and, and it's downtown, right? They're actually like, in the city, yeah. unlike they're, you know, some, yeah. some in the rural area somewhere. They're, we have lakes in the city, which is yeah. just fantastic. It's cool. You look at the towns around the country that are doing well. And it's, there's a lot going on outdoors. I mean, they're focused on parks. They're focused on activities that they can do outside. You know, back in the day, it was all inside. Go to the movies, go to the, go bowling, go, and that's great too. We have winter. You got to do something, you know, but I choose to get depressed. That's what I do in the winter. (laughs) Seasonal depression. It's a good answer. I think we're starting to really see that parks can be something around here. And to me, it's a, it's an obvious thing because we have so much of it. And I, and maybe there was just such a glut of parks and lakes and activities that could be done that we forget that they exist at all. And we, we've talked, we've got friends, uh, mutual friends that run corporations and businesses that hire people. They would love to have their employees live in Laporte. And yeah. so those are the things that I think also help you get more people to live in Laporte and not just commute to Laporte to work. For sure. Wilson's after a certain barbershop that you visited? No, it was more like feel for me. First of all, I, I didn't cut hair and, at all until I decided I was going to open a barbershop. So I had to go to school for a year and do all that. But the reason behind the barbershop was like, hey, I want a business where it's social and people can hang out and feel comfortable and talk and whatever. That's really what we we're going for. So like what makes that a comfortable environment? And then, of course, with the access that we have to like photos on the internet of different places around the world you can see anything you know the back bar that we have is i took that from several different spots and no i want this feature and that i mean so yeah kind of but it was more of like a what's a good nice space to hang out in you know because that's really what barbershops become because it takes time you know you're going to be there for a minute so you want it to be a comfortable space i feel like in the 90s early aughts the Barbershop was kind of declining in exchange for the Fast Eddies, the Great Clips, these kind of really quick get in and out. What do mm-hmm. you think it is about the barbershop that people, especially younger people, are resonating with? Coming out of the 80s and 90s, the world was becoming... Travel just back a, with us, if you will, please. Yeah, tra- yeah. I mean, it was becoming like a... It was all about efficiencies, right? As successful people just get more stuff done. You know, it was just like, you just are super efficient. You do this, you go quickly, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then that became turbo mode once everybody had the internet. And then everyone had, you know, handheld devices where they had all instant. And you could be so efficient that I think people are going like, maybe we need to put the brakes on a little bit. Maybe we need to have real conversations like with our voices with each other. (laughs) Because that was getting lost. I mean, we came out of that time when it's like you know, move, move, move. People crave that a little bit. And really like around, around here, you know, you can go, sure. If you're 21, you can go to a bar and hang out with your friends, but if you're not, you can't. I think that's the part of a barbershop or a salon or a place where you're going to be for a minute. You're forced to be there because you got to wait a minute. But if they make it so you can have good conversation and kind of feel the community out, that's even better. And and that's kind of what you want to go for. That's what we wanted to go for is Give people a chance to like slow down a second and actually experience the people and things around them. You know, we, we kind of like shy away from that, I think. And I've been visiting since you've opened. And it's been one of my favorite things about visiting Wilson's is getting to know some people. And actually, sometimes you get on the same like haircut schedule and you see some of the yeah. same people fairly <laughs> yeah. regularly, you yeah. know. 
and getting to know them and no other place do you actually see them, but you do see them at the barbershop. In, in a sense, you might not become friends, but you become acquaintances. You can gather things from someone. I mean, I, there's guys that come to the shop that know things that I never could have gotten access to. You know, oh, you ran this company before. What was that like? Or, you know, that's amazing. And I'm, I mean, we're lucky enough. We we're in there all day. So we, we get to see everybody, even just being there for a little slice of time. A lot of times you'll go, oh, okay. So that's the judge that sat on this trial and he can tell me about what things were like as a judge or whatever. Do you find that people are remarkably transparent when you're cutting their hair? Like even more so than you would think? Yeah. And with each other too. I mean, I, I think that like, that's, what's amazing is almost at all times, there's almost someone else that's in there that I know. This happened just yesterday. This guy was talking about this guy who worked for him and he was going to go become a police officer. And he was like, I don't know, like blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a guy sitting there whose wife is becoming a police officer right now. And he could shed light on that subject. Like, oh, this is what makes people want to do that. Or like different people want different things for whatever, you know. So conversations happen like that all the time. And we can look around the room and go, oh, that guy probably knows about this. Or that part's pretty great. And I think that is what draws. I mean, I think that's what makes you move to that next level. Same with restaurants. Same with what, you know, you go there because the food's good. But the experience or the time that you spend there feels good to you. Because otherwise, you're not going to go sit somewhere for two hours if it doesn't feel good, no matter what the food tastes like. I also think that people don't understand or that they don't realize that um, for the first couple of years, it was pretty much just you. Yeah. And you worked all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the other thing, too. I mean, I don't this is kind of uh, maybe a little bit off, but like going to the entrepreneurial side or opening a business side of things. In my opinion, if you have the ability to do the task, you need to be the one to do that task until there's so much work to do that you need somebody else. And I love to see that when that happens in a business, I I feel like there's so much better chance that it's going to be successful. And we need more of that in Laporte. You know, I, I think that like now it's the middle of the week. I'm off. I have great guys that work for me. They're phenomenal. I know that they're doing a good job because we built up the business to the point where we needed those people. We hired the right people. We get, you know, so now I can have a day off. But at the beginning, you kind of can't. I mean, there's there's a time where if you can do the job, you should do the job because it sure makes for cheaper payroll. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's really it. So you see businesses start and I think like someone wants to own a business and you look at these people that are 10 years in and you're like, I want that. Well, it takes 10 years to have that. I mean, sometimes, you know. And you still work quite a bit. Yeah. I work a lot, but not not as much as I did probably the first two years. But my wife has told me before, never again will we go through the first two years that we did planting the church and getting all this going. Because it was, it was, I was the only staff member. You know, it was just, Mm -hmm. we were doing a ton of stuff, not only renovating this building, but just getting something off the ground, you know. Constant. And I, I do see that sometimes with startups where people will start up businesses or churches and they'll try to operate them or start them up like they're five years down the road. And I, I do think there's just something to a lot of sweat equity and just getting in there and also just figuring everything out. Because five years down the road is the fun part, right? That's where it starts to get a little Hopefully. more smooth. Uh, you know, and if you're doing well, you can kind of dial things in and really focus on nice change where you're like, I'm going to do this now. And that's not stuff you can do at the beginning necessarily. You have to build up that business to the point where you have enough help to where then you can do that. We see businesses come and go sometimes. And I think that's where the negativity comes in. And that's when people are telling me, you know, eight years ago or whatever, well, this is crazy. What are you like? What are you doing? Because they do see businesses come and go. You and I have said this before, but like you see like, hey, like I could make I can make really good tacos, but I can't make them for a hundred people like it is what it is. But I think sometimes they go, oh, I, I'm, I'm really good at this. I'm going to start this business. Well, it's not that easy, you know? And, and really the only reason when businesses are successful, it's not lucky. You know, I had 10 years of retail experience before I even thought about doing my own thing. And, and yes, that puts things further out, but it can sometimes make it more successful. And yeah, did the retail experience for you, and I think you, we won't name this one like we did REI, Contact me, REI, that you, I think, were maybe in like a mall store managing it. Did your dissatisfaction with like doing that the rest of your life, did it help motivate you for your small business and say, okay, I'm not going to do that. 
So Absolutely. I'm going to work my butt off over here. Absolutely. And there and there's things about that job that that are still, you know, I I was decent at that job because I liked talking to people and I liked interacting and that's all great, but when you get no reward from that mental, you know, stimulation, it's more just sales. It's like you don't you're not growing, you're not developing and I, and I just said, you know, I need to do something different. And I was 32 maybe at the time when I decided that, that, that I needed to kind of, maybe it's a good time to do that. I mean, there's no, there's no too late to do anything, but it was a time when I'm like, okay, so I'm in my thirties. Like if I'm going to do it, this is a pretty good time to do it. And so that's when, when I stepped away from that. Yeah, my dad is a former business owner and he, he talks about the, the 30s and 40s were his prime. Like he just, because he had his energy, he had his, he was mm-hmm. thinking well. Now that he's in his 60s, he says he, he couldn't have started a business like he did back no, in his 20s. No, yes. You know? And I, you know, you hope, you hope that you can get people working with you that are younger and more energetic than you are, you know, which is, which is a goal. And that's fine. I think that's like a, it's a good way to go about it. It's okay to get older and want less well, and what you give to society, what you give to your business, what you give to the world is just different. But it's very important still. But it, it, yes. you don't have the same. I mean, it's just kind you of need the guy who can just it, yeah. Know? You need the guy who can knock out all kinds of work. You know, the business that your dad was in is like that's a tough business to do. And so, like, if you're going to do that yourself, you can only do that for so long. And then it's time to have somebody else who you're like, man, that guy works hard. You know, and and I have some awesome people that work for me that are just you know, they can knock it out and that's great. And I, and I can still knock it out. I mean, I'm not, I'm not to that point yet. I'm fine, but <laughs> I mean, we're not, I mean, maybe it's sounding like I'm 70, but I know. I still, well, you, you I still do have, have a lot more time, gray in yes. your beard. You <laughs> and I are way more gray than we were when we met each other, by yes, the way. Way more. I think when you first came in, you were like, cut these three gray hairs out. Yeah. Get, no. get, there's a couple right here. Get rid of them. Now it's not as doable maybe no, as it was. It's then. impossible now. It's just there. It's, it's more. Uh, I was in a board meeting yesterday, and one of my board members is like, "Hey, uh, you're looking really gray." And he's like, "No, no, I mean that as a compliment." I'm like, "How? Yeah. In what world is that a compliment? Like, I'm not George Clooney or Taylor Hicks. I am. Yeah, I'm still trying to be like <laughs> Taylor Hicks. I'm not Taylor Hicks. Like that's." Who owns some his, level of <laughs> <laughs> what is Taylor Hicks not a thing? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not into the, the, the reality. I'm not Taylor shows. Hicks, bro. <laughs> you could tell yeah, what season I stopped watching <laughs> reality programming. I'm like, you know, I'm still under forty. I'm still yeah, trying yeah, to like look yeah. like I'm under forty. But. Yeah, but you know, whatever. I I don't know. Kind of, I'm okay with it. Yeah, no. I'm trying my, to feel like my hair is not that gray. If I can accomplish that, I'm happy. If you don't look in the mirror, you're fine. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm, um, so who are some of your mentors in, in life and in business, you know, who helped shape you to who you are today? My family way back has owned small businesses. So my grandmother started small businesses when she was, you know, young. Now she's, she passed a couple of years ago, but they had a diner way before I was born. And then they had a furniture store that became, it was, she was an interior designer. So they opened an interior design business and that business lasted I mean, 30, 40 years, you know, and then my parents ran that business for years. So I've been kind of around that. And it just seemed to me that that's how you do things. I mean, my brother owns a small business and I think that's, we were just raised that like, okay, then you do that. And that's how it's done. I've got men and women in my life that over the years have been instrumental in encouraging me through this, but also just giving me some expertise on things that I didn't know. Has there anybody that has done that for you in this process? Business-wise, I think I worked with a guy who, when I was with REI, who I think I learned mostly that like you, it's cool to enjoy, you can enjoy what you're doing and it's fine. He was the store manager when I was at Manhattan Beach. And you can watch these people and kind of get attributes from them. I think I've learned a ton since I've opened like so design has always been a thing for me I know what I want something to look like I know what I want it to feel like and and I had been in retail so I interacted with customers I knew how that was going to be but since I've opened I mean I've met so many people that are are running business like like big businesses you know or or 
small businesses that are much larger than mine. And the way they do things and the conversations that I've had in the shop probably have shaped more of like my next move kind of things than than some of the stuff that happened before. I so mean, just being a student of the things that you see and say, okay, that, that's right, a great like, idea. And, like how great is it that someone runs X factory that's much, much bigger than my barbershop could ever be? And what is that like? You know, how's your human resources? How does that all go? Like, what, what do you do for these things? I mean, those are questions that I can just ask people. I mean, that's pretty lucky, really. This is why, again, kind of going back to the purpose of this podcast, why stories are so important to me, because you've taught me just stuff even today, but just listening to people's stories and picking that up and dissecting it and saying, oh, that's a great idea. It doesn't have to be do this, don't do this. It's just like, this is how I've embodied this virtue or how I have embodied this truth. And I get to see that it's worked well on you or on this person. And I'm like, yeah, no, let's, let's do that thing. Right. And you can see success and go, okay, well, what is it that makes that successful? And sometimes it's easy to pick out what makes something successful. Sometimes it's not that easy. But if you have an opportunity, and that and that's the thing, most people that are doing something, if you were to approach them and say, hey, like, how'd you go about this? Or how'd this happen for you? They'd love to tell you, you know, most of those people. And, and I just have more opportunities to do that because they're sitting in the chair in front of me and I can go, oh, how'd you start in that? Or what was your first experience? Or you know, and there's guys that'll say, oh man, I failed four times and then I finally hit one that was perfect. Or, you know, there's, there's things that happen in business that are amazing that you can't get access to unless you just ask. I steer conversations pretty well. Sometimes they get out of hand. But that's one thing that I try and do constantly because sometimes people will start to talk about something. And, and if you've been into the shop, you know, like, it's almost never just one dude. So they could be talking about something and I'm like, well, there's like two seven-year-olds right across from you. Like, yeah, maybe like, this isn't the best time for this. Like, God bless you, but that's super racist. <laughs> yeah, you like, you that. can't. Ugh. <laughs> and, that, and there's been some of those, like, super cringeworthy moments, but I don't know how I would tell those stories without, <laughs> without, without it sounding I'm like... I'm sure they're probably listening anyway. Yeah, so. like, most of that. Yeah, a lot of those things that happen, you're like, I can't. how do I get away from this? But people like to talk about sports or whatever. I can always steer it in a different direction, you know? They start to talk about politics, I start to talk about something else, you know, or whatever. I mean, they, there's definitely... It's been an interesting time in the last eight years for <laughs> political conversation. What do you think, as someone that's on Lincoln Way, what do you think of the bypass suggestion proposal? Is that a good idea, bad idea? I think that the bypass, it's an okay idea. I mean, I, I don't see I don't see that for me, I, I don't go, ooh, I really want that to happen or I really don't want it to happen. Um, I understand that people, you know, don't want the bypass to go behind their house or they don't want trucks downtown. I mean, I, I definitely get all that stuff. Um, that's a pretty far out timeline. And so for me, I go, okay, so if that's going to happen, cause I don't know if I can affect whether or not that happens. So if that's going to happen in a perfect world, we would have a downtown that's vibrant and thriving before that happens. Cause obviously the bypass would take some of the traffic that passes in front of your billboard, which is the front of your shop. And it would, move that traffic. Cool. Well, if you're thriving by the time that happens, it won't affect you at all. You know, it's harder to build a downtown if you take traffic away from it. That's not to say it can't be done. I mean, Valpo has done it, you know, they moved traffic around and now you have to go downtown purposefully to get there. But you don't think like, as I've heard before, and, and maybe people making the case, you don't think that semis are a detriment to downtown development? No. Nope. I don't. Okay. I guess it's that easy. <laughs> I, I really feel like, hey, <laughs> no, 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 no. for me, I mean, depending on what you're trying to do, you know, I guess if you had a quaint cafe and, and you want people to be able to sit outside and I mean, I get that. I get that some mics can be loud and they're big and they're, but you know, we're a blue collar town. I think that shows like, hey, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of factories where these trucks are coming from and that's good. I mean... We're moving product from where we are to other places to be sold. That's good. That, you can't, if you see that as bad, 
I don't know what to tell you. You know, we're, we have that traffic right now. You could not have it, I guess, which would mean we'd have very little money <laughs> around the area, but most of those trucks are coming from places around here. So as a business located on Lincoln way, do you worry about the development in Newport landing that it would take away traffic or take away the focus of downtown? No. Uh, and mostly I think when you have a, a solid courthouse downtown feel it's much harder to kill that portion of town off by opening something else down the road you know and we're actually lucky the way it's laid out i mean newport landing is very close to downtown i mean we are not one of those cities where they're trying to put all the new development three miles away from all the old stuff. Yeah. I mean, it'd be very it, different. Like you said, if it was by the Kmart region or by the Walmart yeah, region. Sometimes and some cities, that's all the option they have, you know, and, and to get somewhat larger retail into the area that I mean, that's really the only way you can do it is put it somewhere. I never thought about that, that it actually, if you're going to develop an area, which we needed to develop, the area that they chose was maybe even more conducive for downtown redevelopment. Yep. And, and really, man, you're only competing with yourself. And I, people say that and it's a buzzword and whatever, but like we are in an area that right now you can do a business that has a low enough overhead that you can compete with anybody you want to compete with. You know, you can get a haircut at Walmart, cheap, place to go things and we can compete with them price wise and sometimes that's very hard to do but here where we're at i'm not worried about newport landing because i'm able to compete because my overhead isn't crazy high because of where we're where we're located you know and and that overhead will go up for businesses as they open in the next five ten years because real estate will go up downtown i mean it's it's inevitable but you really are competing with yourself People are going to, unless you're, unless you're a store of convenience only, which is not really going to be what's found downtown. You know, you downtown areas don't have those types of stores. We're like, oh, I'm going to stop real quick and get a drink or, and then keep driving to where I'm like, that's not where you're going downtown. You're going to do that thing. And we shouldn't be worried about what's happening over the bridge, you know, because that's only going to bring more people to the area and people want to know what the town is about and you're not going to get oh what's this town about you see the courthouse you're going to go check that out we'll drive that way and see it i'm not worried about that so we there's a lot of talk about like political partisan feuding feeling down to people yeah i mean communities mm -hmm. you meet lots of people i mean dozens of people a day come into the shop are you finding that most people, when, when, because obviously people have different political opinions, different, you know, ethnic backgrounds, all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Are you finding that most people in the shop can find ways to get along? Or do you see an increased amount of disunity as well? I think people are, I think politics is becoming such an outlandish conversation that you're really, that's almost separated from your core. Like, so you could argue with somebody about politics and then talk to them about what they're doing for dinner and it's not really going to cause too much of a, you know, you're not going to hate someone because they don't think what you think as much as maybe you did a hundred years ago. Obviously there was these huge decisive divisive issues, but I really feel like, I mean, the good news is pretty much everybody wants society to be smooth, work well, and for people to be happy. What they believe the path is to get there is different, you know? And, and if you can get it back to that, that's what I, I always try to get it back to. Oh, so like, you know, this is what we want. I mean, this is what they're shooting for. I mean, and we don't know way up at the top, but we know that like in local government, you know, for the most part in local government, you're going to go and those people that are sitting there, whether they say what you want them to say or not, want the town to be a better town. You know, they want you to be more successful, me to be more successful. They want people to be happy. They want people to live here and restore their homes and make their yards nice. That's what they want. 
and whether they think they should do that by, you know, X, Y, or Z, I don't want to like give details of how they think it should be done. Cause then, you know, who I'm talking about in each, for instance, but they, wink at me if you're talking about this person. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but it's good to know that like in our, in our community, the people that are sitting in those positions, they're not paid at a level or reimbursed at a level in any way that it makes it worthwhile for them to like push something through. I mean, for the most part, we're not talking about large government situations. So they want it to be better. Like, let's just kind of discuss how to make that happen. Not act like everybody's on the wrong side. So Adam Wilson is eventually, you know, let's say you're mayor of Laporte down the road. Um, <laughs> let's just say. Let's just say. Let's, let's, let's dream with me. All right? <laughs> I want you going on like a spirit quest with me. Adam Wilson's mayor of Laporte. What kinds of things do you think Laporte needs to focus on in the future? Like, what would you focus on? I've talked about this in the shop with with politicians because I'm not one. As much as in the future, Nate says I'm going to be mayor. You do have like a Robert Taft beard. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So um, I would focus on the low hanging fruit first, which is our parks, our lakes are beautiful downtown. These are the things that are very easily accomplished. Like I what, say, is, what is focusing on me though? Like, so for instance, the mountain bike trails that I spend a lot of time at, you know, there's communities that put a large amount of effort into making those places where people will come and enjoy and do, and it's attractive to, for parents to bring their kids and for people to come from other towns to check it out. Um, and the cost of that is very small. So in comparison to, say, building a new structure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have, we already have the place for things like that. And if we polish that, the beach at Stone Lake. Okay. There's efforts that have been put into that recently, and that's fantastic. And we should just continue to get that low-hanging fruit. Because we want... I would like to see people realize what we have here. I mean, it can be a healthy, thriving, active community. No one, no one in our immediate area is trying to be the like, Hey, we're like the healthy place. You come and run here, ride your bike here, go to the lakes and, you know, get your paddleboard out or whatever. I mean, and, and it's because they don't have access to what we have access to. I mean, so we're not, we're not telling that story well enough of what we, are as a community. That's where I'd go first because that's what's going to be attractive. If you're trying to bring businesses to town, especially bigger businesses, like we've talked about, like bigger businesses that have a bunch of employees, you know, I have four employees and myself. So it's different. But if you have 80, 90, 100 employees and you're looking at this area to move your business, that's the kind of thing that you could be looking at. You know, because every every municipality, every community can give the same tax breaks and incentives and all of these things. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and the way we're going to land those things is by having such a polished thing that someone notices it. And right now it's hard to notice, you know, even even some of the lakes, even when we drive by Pine Lake, sometimes you don't even think about it. But there is ways that we can continue to polish those things so that people notice it. Hey, let me go show you what's going on with our parks over here. I mean, we have from Waverly to Small Road, right? Am I saying the right roads? To go through like Stone Lake Beach and all mm -hmm. that all over to Small. I mean, that could be something that every town would love to have. I mean, and, and it already is pretty great. Um, but that would be my first focus for sure. Um and then the downtown, really, and the downtown more so than, say, Newport Landing, not necessarily because one's more important than the other, but because it's a, it's also low-hanging fruit. The buildings are already there, and we've we've been doing that, restoring buildings and painting, and, and it's looking way better than it did three years ago. When you started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so... And then a, th a thing like Newport Landing. I mean, we need that. We need to be able to invite retailers that want fresh, new parking lotted, nice buildings. We need to have those people in our area because 
whether you think you want it here or not, you do go shop at those places. You know, people do go to Valpo, Michigan City and South Bend to go do things that we could have here as well. Um, and, and, you know, corporations that are looking at opening a new plant, they want those things in their town, you know, and we, and we need to be aware that gaining tax dollars from new companies and new residents is a necessary thing. I mean, we have to do it. And so in my opinion, that's kind of how you head down that path. Now, easier said than done. So those are your, those are your three campaign promises. That's what, you're that's what I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> so in the future, in the future, um, making beards political again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for what you do in Laporte and uh, you're doing a great work at the shop. And I think it's a, it's one of the success stories I tell people um, because it's a small business, but you're, you're doing well. And so are your employees. And I just wanted to make sure that people knew who you were, knew your story. And that uh, I think you have a great perspective on Laporte. And I just wanted to make sure that people knew that. So thanks so much for being here today. Yeah. Thank you. I think this is a, this is an amazing thing because we need this type of conversation to go on. We, we need it to be positive. We need to think about, okay, what's going great? Like what, what is it that you love about this situation or that situation is more of the conversation that needs to happen. So I appreciate that. Well, um, so, uh, summing up REI, holla at you, boy. <laughs> Give me a call for a sponsorship. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. Summer Friends Podcast was brought to you by State Street Community Church and the PAC Center. Recording was done by Mike Warner. Hosting is Nate Locks.